Hello, welcome to episode 153 of the Cricket Her Weekly, being brought to you live from Cape Town, as you can see with our backdrop. And we are still recovering from two unbelievable semi-finals, um, which has actually been really exciting because they've completely lit up the tournament, um, upended expectations, and it's been brilliant. But um, <laughs> there's lots to digest, isn't there, Sid? So shall we start with Australia v India? We're going to come to the drama of England, South Africa in a moment, but let's start with Australia v India. We did get the result that we were expecting in the end, but it was quite a lot closer than we thought it might be, wasn't it, Sid? Yeah, I mean, it's so often you see Australia play these games, and you, you look at the scorecard, and you know you can see, oh, they won by you know with four balls to spare or something. But the, the game itself was actually much less close than that. They game managed their way towards the, towards a win or, or what have you. But it really, Australia really did get run very close, and it you know turned on some 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 individual moments, you know, a, a few balls here or there, and it would have made all the difference. You know, um, if Meglerning hadn't hit a six off that final ball, if if that had fallen, you know, two meters. Uh, short and she'd been caught you know that would have made all the difference if Harman Preet's bat hadn't got stuck that would have made all the difference um, and I think that you know India obviously really disappointed about about this. Um, Harman Preet, you know, had kind of recovered by the time she hit the press conference she kind of recovered her composure but we heard that she was you know uh, crying on her way over to the press conference because she didn't know how to deal with this and she was obviously really upset but I think that the India and the Indian fans that have been upset on Twitter and social media actually you need, you need to take a step backwards and see you know this is you know a positive step towards you know improvement I mean if you look at the, the, the you know the last three knockout games they played against Australia we go back to 2020 and you know they were absolutely annihilated in that final in 2020 um, you know the Commonwealth Games they produced a, a, a reasonable performance um, and now here you know they've really run Australia quite close so I think that things are getting there for India and they have to see the positives in this result you know they just missed out to the best team in the world yeah it was a bit of a funny one because to some extent um, Australia weren't at the top of their game um, India weren't either but they were very closely matched actually um, and I think that we in the media and I include myself in this I'm equally culpable have this tendency to exaggerate perhaps the gap between Australia and some of these other sides and to just kind of see World Cups as Australia kind of marching inevitably towards um, winning another world world title um, and that's certainly how we for example view the last T20 World Cup because we think of that enormous victory against India in the final at the MCG um, and that was a really big exciting occasion but we don't don't think about the moments in which Australia actually did look fallible in that World Cup, you know, in the losing the first match to India, India. Um, yeah, and then um, you know being what was it um, 20 for three against Sri Lanka, and if they'd lost that they would have been out, and then they had that virtual quarter final against South Africa uh, against New Zealand, New Zealand um, and they were you know quite close to losing that at one point, and then they almost lost to South Africa in the semi-final. So there were all of those small moments where actually Australia did look fallible in that last World Cup and here we are again and Australia did look fallible against India um, you know I actually thought Meg Lanning was um, to, to, to start with was actually a bit poor I know I'm probably going to get some comeback on this but she was very scratchy at one point she was 14 off 18 balls you can't afford to do that in T20 cricket now it was people a very kind of Elise Perry you know uh 
2018 innings, wasn't there it? There you go. And people will remember the fact that she hit those two sixes off the last over, and that brought her strike rate up. But until then, you know, she hadn't looked she hadn't looked the Meg Lanning of old. Um, and um, so yeah, Australia fallible, but they got over the line in the end, Sid. <laughs> yeah, indeed they did. And you know, I'm, they're going to take that through to the final. And you know, well, we'll talk about that in a minute, won't we? Absolutely. So let's move on to <laughs> England, South Africa. And I've got to say um, that I still haven't really recovered from that. It was it was last night. We came back to the hotel and I'm just kind of still this morning left scratching my head going, what on earth happened? Because um, this time yesterday, you said to me, oh, you know what? England might not get to the final. I said, don't be ridiculous, Sid. I'm, I'm fessing up to it. I honestly would have rated South Africa's chances as probably one in a thousand of winning that game because I was thinking about um, this being basically the same South Africa side who last summer against England just fell to pieces. They were absolutely hopeless, weren't they? And then they've pulled it out of the bag in a World Cup semi-final um, and, and won. I, I guess that we could say, well, it's being played at home. They've got the home crowd. Um, Tasman Brits in the press conference certainly spoke about them being really uplifted by that. It's not been a very easy ride for them, though, this home World Cup. And they, they struggled to get to the semi-final. And then suddenly they pulled out their best cricket. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the real underlying point is don't take anything away from South Africa. I mean, and England, England weren't abject. They weren't, they, they, it wasn't the standard of cricket that New Zealand played in their first couple of games. It wasn't, England shouldn't be embarrassed about what happened any, any more than India should be. Um, but, you know, South Africa's bowlers in particular just really stood up, didn't they? Um, you know, and that, that pace trio, um, you know, of Kaka, Ismail and Cap, you know, they all came to the party when they needed to, you know. Um, so Kaka had been, you know, hit for a few runs earlier, but she came back and took, you know, three wickets for, for three runs. And was it this, the third from last over? Um, and then Cap uh, came and bowled the penultimate over. The penultimate over were always so, so important to ensure that you put the pressure on the batters for that last over, trying to ensure that if, you know, that they need more runs than they feel that they can get. And, and ultimately that's what happened, right? So Cap went for 12 in that last over. And, you know, think, well, that's Cap. You know, we expect her to be only going for four. But, you know, the, the truth is, you know, if she'd gone for 18, then you know that's that's all the difference. That's that's that takes England then suddenly down, needing less than 10 off the last over. Um, so you know, credit to Cap as well for that over. And then I mean, Ismail bowling that last over. And it was just like it's a it's a risky move in some ways bowling Ismail in that last over. Okay, um, she she bowled a ball yesterday at 80 miles an hour, so it's the fastest ball ever recorded, you know, on the TV speed guns in women's cricket. Um, she's hit that 80 mile an hour mark that everyone's been talking about. Um, you know, but the, the key risk there is she bowls an 80 mile an hour ball just down the leg side goes whizzes past the wicketkeeper four runs and a wide five still got six deliveries to play and then suddenly again you've you know you've lost all your advantage there so you know to, for her to keep her head and to you know put the ball in the right place and then obviously took a couple of wickets as well as England tried to, to you know desperately to hit out for those runs you know so credit to all three of those bowlers they're absolutely key but you know really at the end of the day it's Brits's game isn't it because you know she'd been the one that had had the bravery to kind of step up and after Wolfart got out Brits wasn't going at a huge she was going at under 100 after Wolfart got out it would have been really easy for Brits to go well okay now I'm going to play the anchor role I'll just carry on going at like 90 and I'll, you know I'll just make sure I stay here but she was like no I'm going to you know the, the one one way we're going to win this is to start you know actually hitting the ball out the ground and she 
did, and she went at like a strike rate of like 170 odd for the for the rest of her innings, and you know got South Africa in a position where Cap could then come in at the end, and Cap had zero pressure really, and again just was able to hit that last that last over out the park literally. Um, well, and that's what gave South Africa the platform that they needed, gave them enough runs to bowl at, and England just couldn't quite get over the line, could they? Yeah, it's an odd one. I don't know whether, and obviously none of the England players would admit this, but whether they were thinking the same as me and actually they had they already had one eye on the final over there without thinking about the semi-final. More more that <laughs> without thinking about the semi-final in front of us. Um, and they always say, oh, you have to take it one game at a time. But certainly I was going, oh, well, it's going to be an England-Australia final. Um, and I wonder if there was a tendency to think that as well. Another thing that I found slightly frustrating with the way that England approached yesterday was when you know Wolvar and Brits were going great guns and, and really taking on those three spinners who have been so important to England's bowling attack this tournament and have so far been very successful. England didn't seem to have a plan B. Um, and I actually asked Heather Knight about this in the press conference. I said, you know, when all of your three spinners are, are being knocked around, did you think about actually changing it up a bit and maybe bowling yourself? maybe bowling Alice Capsi, although we haven't really seen her bowl since the shoulder injury. Um, we understand that she can bowl, but don't know how much she's been doing that in the nets. Um, but Heather has certainly been, every single match, has been out there in the middle bowling. She's been having coaching from the bowling coaches. So why is she doing that if, as she said in the post-match press conference, oh, I had no intention of bowling myself. We had six bowlers and I was just going to always stick with them. Well, that seems like very much. Well, here's my plan A, um, and yeah, you know, I've got blinkers. I've got blinkers I have on. Plan A. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I was, yeah, I was, I was a bit confused by that because you know it just needed a little bit of a change up. Um, and you know, Heather then in desperation brings back Lauren Bell, who was the only um, bowler really who looked particularly threatening at that point. Um, for some reason, she was taken off after bowling just one over up top, and then she was brought back in to, um, to bowl. I think it was the twelfth over, and. She almost had a wicket, um, but there was a misfield by who else? <laughs> Catherine Siverbrunt. So she's allowed to misfield, but nobody else is. Anyway, we'll come to that in a minute. Um, but yeah, I just felt that um, England were kind of had this sort of one tactic that they were using um, and it didn't work and they didn't quite know what to do. Yeah, and you know, but at the end of the day, we should take nothing away from South Africa. You know, the, it was it was a great atmosphere. The ground filled up by the end of it. Um, it's, it's easy to forget what happened with the, what happened with the ground. That that um, this was a work day in South Africa, obviously. So you know, it wasn't until people were left work at four o'clock they were able to come down to the cricket so the ground although it wasn't definitely wasn't full at, at the beginning looked much fuller at the end um, and now that you know they're in a final they've got an opportunity to sell loads of tickets there were literally queues outside Newlands for, for tickets that they've released to the upper tiers that they hadn't released yet um, so you know fantastic prospect in, in store and you know good luck to them. Absolutely so we're quite Anglo-centric, Sid, so um, let's do a bit of a, an England post-mortem. Um, it's quite soon to be thinking about this, but I think we probably should be. Where do England go from here? Are they going to change things up? In terms of management, I don't, th don't see much changing at all. I think Heather's made it pretty clear that she you know, plans to carry on. Um, I'm guessing that that means until at least the, the next ODI World Cup, and that will presumably be their focus you know, going forwards. Um, you know, and John Lewis, you know, there's obviously no question that he's going to carry on. You know, this was you know, his first big tournament, um, and you, know, you don't fire the coach after, after one you know, failure, in, failure in 
kind of in inverted commas, you know, you got beaten by a team that played better on the day when you'd had overall a good tournament. So, you know, I think that as a management team, they take some positives. But I think that there are some things that need to change for England, aren't there, aren't there, F? Well, just thinking about John Ball, first of all, um, which is this, <laughs> this strategy around which the tournament's been built. And, and actually, the last episode, we talked about how we, we really saw that working and it having been kind of inculcated this new positive mindset. Um, and actually, um, you know, Heather Knight, again, in the press conference yesterday after the game, said that she retains faith in this strategy. And she thinks that, you know, being aggressive and, um, you know, and really kind of trying to entertain, which has been the other big message that England have been kind of pushing out throughout the tournament is the th is a thing that they want to continue with so they're not abandoning um, they're not abandoning John Ball I think that I think that's the right strategy okay. but I think that, that John Ball is a much more effective strategy batting first than it is batting second so one of the keys that you have to kind of take if you're batting second you have to look at the game situation this is what Australia always mm. do so well which leads to what I mentioned earlier those games that look close on paper that actually weren't close so you know towards towards the end about sort of in the 15 over mark or somewhere you know England started trying to hit the ball out of the ground again and that's if a, you know was tr basically tried to hit a six when she had no need to do that England England was still in a position um, to game manage their way towards a win when Nat Siver tried to hit the ball out the ground and got caught on the boundary. And that's a classic example of when you need to kind of rein John Ball in. In the first innings, it's a great strategy and it's a great strategy to, to go for runs from the first. You know, you don't take four or five balls to get going. If you can, you're trying to hit, hit the ball from the first ball delivery you face. You don't waste any deliveries yeah. that way. Yeah. That's all great stuff. But in the second innings, you need to play smart John Ball. And I think that that's what, you know, they kind of need to understand that it's it's not quite an, a strategy of you absolutely hit everything particularly when you're batting second okay and i think england will presumably take that on board when they do their own kind of team post-mortems and um, we did have a question from bazaar on twitter that sort of is relevant to this and he says has the new coach changed anything fundamental or has it remained the same in culture and approach um, and i guess what we're talking about is a difference in approach and i do think that um, john lewis has brought a different approach and i agree with you that generally um, it's worked quite well but it just needs a little bit of tweaking and kind of finessing around the edges in terms of culture though i think that that is where england haven't shifted at all um, since the the Commonwealth Games and perhaps need to um, be thinking about doing so um, and that's sort of personified in the figure of of Catherine Siverbrunt. Um, she is now coming in for a lot of public criticism um, and I think that's partly because yesterday during the game the TV and the radio commentators all drew huge attention um, to this incident that happened I think it was the 17th over um, when South Africa were batting um, and Alice Capsey did a misfield it wasn't a terrible misfield and she was berated by Catherine Brunt um, and then ordered to move to a different a different area of the field then two balls later <laughs> Um, Charlie Dean, who'd been moved to where Capsi had been, then got an earful from Nani as well because she had also um, done a misfield. Um, and then, uh, uh, um, you know, Heather Knight did eventually intervene, but it all just looked very nasty, very aggressive, and very unnecessary. Um, so I think it's good that the media are picking up on this now, but it does make me kind of think back to the Commonwealth Games because this is basically exactly what happened during the Commonwealth Games. Um, and I think it's this kind of cultural thing that perhaps cost England that bronze medal because at that time, Heather Knight was sitting out on the sidelines and you had Nat Siver um, being the temporary captain who perhaps, um, you know, 
wasn't able to uh, kind of bring about that cultural shift and to actually put Catherine Brunt in her place and say actually this is an acceptable behaviour and I wish that that had happened then I wish that England had learnt from that then because what's happened is it's continued and it's continued and if anything, it's got worse yeah it's continued in a way that's now cost them I think potentially a chance in this World Cup final um, so I think that really um, people should have picked up on this last summer and been willing to criticise last summer in the way that we were but actually felt quite nervous about doing it should have been dealt with hopefully it will now be dealt with um, and you know that potentially was Catherine Siverbrunt's last match for England it's a shame because she's had a very long and distinguished career, as we've already talked about on this very vodcast. Um, but sometimes, if you're not willing to admit that it's the end of your career, then, as you said in your piece, Sid, the captain and the coach have to admit it for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, the, the other thing that England you know, need to kind of draw from this is that, you know, there's, there's a balance to be had when you're making cricket selections between selecting people based on sort of seniority and longevity and experience and people's, you know, actually looking at people's performances and saying, you know, is this person performing? You know, and so Freya Davis got dropped from the team for having figures that were better than those that saw Catherine Brunt, you know, reselected for these two matches. And at the end of the day, Catherine Brunt has not really been performing when it's mattered. And we've seen that in two you know tail end overs for England and so we can't go on just selecting somebody because they happen to have been a good player 20 years ago or you know I mean why not carry on selecting Rachel Hayho Flint I mean she's dead but she, she was a great player for England for a long time you know that's your next big selection Jono yeah, it does feel like um, Catherine Siverbrunt has been now given the last over um, in, in two matches. Um, in the first match, she got lucky. In that second match, in the semi-final, potentially those 18 runs off the last over cost England the game. Um, and obviously it wasn't just that that cost England the game, but it's frustrating when, you know, it's, what do they say about the definition of madness being you do the same thing over and over again and you expect a different result? Well, you don't give somebody the last over based on seniority. You give somebody the last over based on who's bowling well. Lauren Bell should have been bowling that last over above Catherine Siverbrunt yesterday. Um, so that's very frustrating and, and hopefully, um, hopefully England will be doing that internal review and perhaps be having that difficult conversation. Anyway, Sid, we've got a really exciting final to look forward to tomorrow. South Africa v Australia. Um, and as you've already said, uh, tickets are selling like hotcakes. It's going to be um, a really fantastic occasion, I think, for South African women's cricket, for South African women's sport, actually. Um, and you know, let's hope that we get a, a huge crowd at Newlands. All the signs are really good. But, but who's your money on? Well, if I was betting on this, obviously... Uh uh, no surprise, I'd still bet on Australia here. You know, at the end of the day, they have gone through the tournament undefeated. They've looked pretty damn convincing most of the time. And, you know, South Africa have had their wobbles and you feel they've probably had their big match. But, you know, if they can pull out out of the bag another performance like they did against England, then they could definitely cause Australia problems. 2020 cricket, anything can happen. And, you know, no one will be more happy than me for South Africa if South Africa win. Okay, um, well, given that I completely wrote them off before yesterday's semi-final, I'm going to have to go with South Africa because I think they've proved me wrong and I think they can prove me wrong yet again in terms of my overall prediction earlier that Australia were going to win the tournament. But we'll have to wait and see and we're really excited about it. Bye for now. Bye.